0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, So glad that you're here and what a great video to teach us about what it means to be holy and what that word hagios in the the Greek really means. And when we talk about abiding, like we've been talking about, and those of you just joining us, we've been teaching about what it means to abide in Christ when Christ asked us um, as his disciples to abide in him. And really that's a life in pursuit of holiness. Um, Jesus said, "Be uh, what be holy as I am holy." But He didn't say, "Be as holy as I am holy." There's no way that we can be as holy, as um, set apart as Christ is to the moment that the, that we meet Him, and, and we see Him in heaven. But He wants us to strive for this understanding that we're set apart for something very unique because. Uh, he has something very special for us to do for His glory, not ourselves. And so, when we look at what it means to be holy, think about this uh, as we close out this uh, this series: is that we learn what it means to be holy by studying the scripture. And I just wanna remind you that everything that we have been studying comes from this book. And it comes from this understanding of who God was, why he made, it, uh, made us, what his plans are for us and what his plans are for his glory. And so we learn everything about holiness through this book. We learn everything about uh, what it means to abide in Christ in this book. And we learn this, and so for the past six weeks, we have really been looking uh, at what God says to us on how to be holy and what it means to abide in Him, to remain in Him, to stay with Him, and and everything we do that our thoughts would always be connected to what uh, the scripture taught us on how Christ wants us to think. And so as we close this series out with Abide, uh, I just want to remind you that everything that we've learned is from the scripture. Uh, and our goal this year, for those of you who may have forgotten, our goal this year is to study the Bible. Our goal is that the Bible is the way that we learn how to abide, and and so this really is a year in the word that we would open it, we would search it, we would trust it, and we would apply it. Now I can open it for you on Sunday mornings, I can search it, but I can't make you trust it, and I can't make you apply it. And all these things, when you read the word, first you have to open it. I just wanna remind you, this is the year of the word. So keep that in front of you that you have to open the word. It won't just come to you and, and say, hey, open me up. The spirit will tell you to do that, but you open it, you search it and listen to whatever it says, you trust it. Even though it doesn't feel right, even though your flesh says, I don't wanna do that. If you say, uh, uh, if the Bible tells you to forgive, if if the Bible says that you're to be kind, and you go, well, I really don't feel like being kind. And I don't know about you, but I've felt that way before. And so, but I've got to trust what it says, and then I have to apply it. And so this morning, uh, this message is kind of uh, where, where did I get this message that we're going to talk about as we close out this body? Now I don't. Now some of you are watching who are new. I don't want you to freak out because I'm about to tell you a dream that I had, but it's it's not uh, anything that is weird. But I had a dream, and I don't know why I was thinking about. it. I shared it with the staff a couple of weeks ago. I had this dream, and I woke up and I was preaching. And when I was preaching, I woke up thinking about points that I was saying. And so uh, it was about four in the morning and uh, the points were really good. And I kept on repeating them. And then I woke up and I remembered those points. And I thought, why did I have a dream about that? And we have dreams about a lot of different things. Uh, uh, And dreams can, can just be based on how tired you are, what you had to eat the night before. Um, But anyway, it it can be a a lot of things that cause dreams. But for some reason, I had the first four points and then I got up, got me some water, and I went back to bed. Uh, You're gonna think this is odd. And literally at 5.15, an hour later, I woke up to that same dream, except I was on different points. And so I quickly ran into the computer and I typed them out and I just let him sit there. And the more that I looked at him, the more I said, wow, this is so true. This is what everybody needs. Now, I don't, uh, some people out there are going, Oh, that dream was from the Lord. Honestly, uh, if it was well then hey it's all it's all good news. If it's not, it still is a, a good message for us. and so maybe I was thinking about a message, or maybe i would I was thinking about what I was going to teach. I can't remember that caused my dream to do that, but as I wrote these things down, I thought, what a way to close out. Uh, this message so it's really kind of unique that uh, it came through this this dream that I was having Uh, I may have been nervous about having to speak not really sure but don't look too much into that but simply know that it was an odd way i would never gotten a message that way before so that's where this message comes from and so it was a list of things on what what we need to remember that will help us to abide in Christ and what we need to trust that would help us to abide in Christ. And then as I looked at these points, I thought, wow, I need some scripture with it. And so every one of these points that I got can be backed up scripturally. And they are so basic about what I'm going to teach you, but I'm going to back it up with all these different scriptures to prove uh, what I'm telling you. So as you learn to abide in Christ. These are some very basic things that you need to remember that will help all of us through issues that we deal with in our life. So the first point that I got and I remembered it very clearly was this is that God created everything. I just remember waking up twice and that was the first point. God created everything. And we have to remember that as we abide in Christ, he created everything. I don't understand. Now, some scientists may be able to tell you, you know, uh, you, you, I understand why he created uh, crabs because they taste good. Okay. I understand why he created uh, sharks because they're bottom feeders and they clean up just like a crab, but I don't like shark. But uh, when you look at everything in the world that God created, uh, he did it. I, I don't understand mosquitoes. Some, Some scientists may understand it. I don't. But here's the thing. God created everything. It's something you need to understand that when you look at this world, he created everything. And as you abide in Christ, you have to trust what he created. Now, sometimes we take God's creation and we, uh, we use it. uh, We misuse it maybe. And we need to be careful that uh, we say, well, that's God made that and that's bad. But maybe it's that people took what God made and made it bad. But he did create everything. He created you. He created the people that are around you. He created this beautiful earth. He p- created uh, the saltwater ocean. He created the uh, the freshwater uh, uh, lakes. He created all those things. I I do not like alligators, uh, but he created them. Okay. Uh, I, I, there are so, I don't I don't really care for spiders. And all of you people, oh, they eat insects. Well, good for you. But I just don't like spiders. I don't like snakes. Uh, but God created them and God created everything. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it all. And look in Colossians 1, it says for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Look at that. You realize that the minute we admit that God created and put into place rulers, we should be able to take a deep breath and go. We don't understand why certain rulers are ruling over different countries in our country or whatever we're struggling with, but we have to know this, God created them. And so we don't understand uh, why they make decisions that they do, but we know that God created them. It says all things were created through him, watch this, and for him. Revelation 4.11 says, worthy... Are you our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they existed and were created. Listen, when it comes to abiding in Christ, knowing God created all things should bring peace in our life and answer many of the questions that we have. It should bring peace in our life when we know that since he created somebody and it says that God places leaders in their place and it says for us to trust uh, and, and, and do our part as long as they don't tell us how we can worship and when to stop worshiping, that uh, we must trust and pray for our, even our government. God created all things. It should bring you peace. It should cause you to relax about anything that's going on in the world. The next thing that, that I, I wrote down was this. God made me. Now think about that. When I look at that, I go, why is that so important? Why would I bring that up? I would be having that in a dream. Well, because I, I need to remade, remember that God made me. Many of us in our lives, we base who we are and how we think on what somebody else thinks of us. But when we come to this understanding that God made me, it's going to help you abide in Christ. It's going to take a, 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 away a lot of self esteem, uh, uh, low self-esteem issues. And so as you abide in Christ, you have to not only remember that God created everything, but God made me. So therefore, we know that he has purpose for me. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. It was God who made man. And it was God who made that person that you don't like at work. And it was God who made that person that you uh, just uh, bust heads up against all the time and have issues with, God made them, all right? It says, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And when he finished making all, of the, all of that he did and when he finished making me and when he finished making you, it was very good. And there was evening and, and there was morning, the sixth day. So, so if he made Adam, Adam, and, and Eve that way, and it was very good, he made us. Psalm 103 says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. Now look at that. We are his. Before we were anybody else else's, we are his. We have moms and dads. Listen, and some of them do great jobs, and some of them do terrible jobs. But I want you to understand, we are his. Look, we are his people the sheep of his pasture. Um, We have to know that he made us. It says, uh, I will give thanks to you. Look what the psalmist says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. The more that we abide in Christ, we know that he made us for a reason and it's he who made us so that when we have this low self-esteem issue, are we, uh, your identity is, is, is in your job instead of in, in who God made you to be. Listen, some of you for a long time, your identity is, is in what your mother thinks of you and what your father thinks of you and what your boss thinks of you and what your children think of you. It's good to have good character, but when that overrides what the father thinks of you and that he made you, then a lot of bad things will happen. And so you have to abide in that simple truth, God made me. The next thing is this, that God knows my heart. Um, it, we forget that God pretty much knows everything that we, uh, that we think. He knows everything before we even say it. In Psalm 139 that we just read, it went on to say that before we even say a word, before a word is on our tongue, he knows exactly uh, 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 what we're going to say. God knows your heart. So you can look at somebody and say, well, no, no, I didn't mean that. But in your heart of hearts, you did mean that. We can be be, uh, sometimes passive aggressive people that we say something and go, oh, no, I didn't mean that, but you really did mean that. Or say something under our breath. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And so you have to remember and take uh, and abide in that, that he knows you. And so why not be honest with him? And tell him the truth because he knows the truth already. In Proverbs 21, 2, it says, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. You have to remember that the Lord is examining all our hearts. And he knows what's right and what's wrong. He knows why we're having an issue with something. So why not be honest with him and say, let me just be honest with you. When I, when I have conversations with God, I have Outright conversations with God. And I tell him, I don't understand this about you. I don't, I don't know this about you. I don't know why you're not answering this. I really don't know why you would allow all this to happen, uh, uh, whether it's something in my life or somebody being negative toward me or questioning or a plan change. But listen this, why not tell him? God knows your heart. Abide in that truth that you can talk to your father and just be honest with him. Uh, uh, in, in Acts, the apostles were struggling with and they were meeting at the Council of Jerusalem and they were, the Jews were struggling with the fact that these uh, Gentiles were coming into this uh, understanding who Christ was and they were, the, 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 the Christian uh, <laughs> Jews were saying, hey, these guys need to be circumcised and they were going, no, they don't. And, and uh, here's what the response was. They said, they said, God knows people's hearts. Look at that. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. So in other words, he knows our hearts. He knew the hearts of the Gentiles who didn't truly understand everything about Judaism because they weren't born into this Jewish culture but God says he knows their hearts and somehow they had walked toward God and said I want to accept this truth that Jesus died on the cross. Romans 8:27 says and he who searches hearts look he searches heart. And it's, it's a beautiful picture that he's searching our heart. We do that with our children. If you have kids or you even do that with your boss or with somebody that you work with, you ask questions because in a roundabout way, you're trying to search out what they're thinking, how they feel. You're throwing something out there. Well, think about this. God is all the time searching heart and he knows what is in the mind of the spirit Because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And God is searching our heart. And he's wanting to know what we're made of. He's wanting to know, are you abiding? Are you you at least practicing this understanding of what it means to walk in the spirit? And so we have to understand that he's constantly searching our heart. In Psalm 44, it's a great psalm there's uh it seems like the, uh, the the israelites were doing everything they could and at some point in this psalm nothing was going their way it seems like the uh, uh the people that they were against were were winning it seems like that god had almost left them and so at one point he says hey we've we we've done everything lord we've we've stuck with you and then these words were said, it said it says if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it? Why? Since he knows the secrets of the heart. And they were saying, Hey, listen, God knows our heart. We're pursuing him. We're trying to make the right decisions. All these bad things are happening. You ever feel that way? making all the right decisions, doing all the right things, but nobody around you is doing the same thing. In fact, they're doing opposite. And some of these people are believers in Christ and they shouldn't be acting that way. And if, God had forgotten, if we had forgotten the name of our God and spread out our hands to, the, to a foreign God, it says, would not have God discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? And saying, listen, God knows the secrets of the heart and we had no secrets We've been just trying to live our lives. Listen, for you to abide in Christ and to know this truth is to understand that God knows your heart. He searches your heart. That's why when you feel guilty about something, you have to ask yourself, God, I've been abiding in you. Is that guilt? Because you're telling me, I know your heart. I know your intentions. You can't hide them from me. God knows you. He knows your secret thoughts. He knows your your secret sins. But look at this. He still loves you. Isn't that amazing? So that's the third thing or the next one. God loves me. And we know this throughout scripture. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Watch this. In the son of God who loved me. He loved me so much that he gave himself up for me. You have to understand when you don't feel loved, God loves you. And some of you are sitting there going, "Man, these are so basic." But here's the thing, some of us while you're listening, you've forgotten the love of God that he has for you. You've forgotten that he loves you unconditionally and you're beating yourself up. You've forgotten that he doesn't hold that against you. That if you walk around in that guilt and you've already accepted Christ and asked him to forgive you, you're wasting this forgiveness that came to us on the cross. You're not you're not putting it into a full acceptance and saying, God loves me. Look, it even tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, you're not gonna perish, but you're gonna have eternal life. You're not not just gonna die. You're gonna have eternal life because he loves you. Look, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you. And we forget that. And uh, uh, I want you to remember this morning that he really loves you and abide in that love it says, but you, O Lord, are a God, a God merciful and gracious, watch this slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, I hope you're really paying attention this morning. It's so hard not to be able to see you, but hopefully you'll listen very closely when I tell you when you feel alone, and when you feel unloved and when you feel unappreciated, God loves you still. When you, when you seem to have failed everyone in your company or everyone in your home or the people that you love and they've kind of backed off of you, God still loves you. And so you have to take that in. It seems so easy to go, oh yeah, God really loves me. He doesn't make junk but you have to really take it in and take a breath of what it means that God loves you. No matter what you can be the loneliest person, but you are deeply loved by the father. And the next thing uh, that I, uh, that I had on that list when I typed them out at five in the morning, five 15 is that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. I made them all personal. God has a plan for me. Look, even this is a great, a great scripture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Do you realize that's a plan for every believer? That uh, the, the, the thief wants to steal, wants to kill, wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy what God has planned for you so that he'll receive glory. But God said this, I've come that you will have life. And you'll not only have life, you'll have it to the full. You're gonna have it abundantly. So he has a plan for you. We're not supposed to walk around this earth feeling terrible all the time, feeling shame, feeling guilt. And I wanna tell you, there are many churches as I was growing up that I went to, they want you to feel that way because it controls you. It's a manipulation game. Well, I wanna tell you, it's ungodly. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of sin, not man. And I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's what he came for. That even in the midst of a trial, in the midst of cancer, in the midst of divorce, in the midst of, of somebody that's hurt you, even in the midst of physical abuse, uh, mental abuse, listen, he wants you to live abundantly and use that for his glory. But you have to abide in that he has a plan for you. Ephesians says this, for we are, uh, we are God's handiwork created In Christ Jesus, to do what? To do good works. That is a plan. What are those good works? Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in advance, he's prepared something for you. And some of you are grappling with that, going, what is it you want me to do? And you feel God tugging at your heart and your mind. And I want you to know, you need to follow that. You need to pursue that. When I was working with teenagers, I used to tell them all the time, Listen, when they go into college and go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I said, during your first two years in college, try to do internships anywhere that you can to expose you to maybe something that God wants you to do with your life. I always said, go do an internship. Somebody said, I feel a call to ministry, but I don't know what to do. Go do, go, go serve as an intern in youth ministry, go serve as an intern for worship. And God will begin to massage your heart to tell you, I've prepared something for you. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you. And it's not in an arrogant way. For those of you that know me, you know this, that I think God prepared me. I know that God prepared me to start Carpenters Way. I know that God prepared me for this moment where we are now because I trust that he can change whatever he wants about my life. He can call me anywhere. He can send me anywhere. But right now I just believe in the sovereignty of God and you have to believe and abide that he made you and he has a plan for you. Look what it says in Psalm 139. We go back to that. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's pretty cool to think about that there's a book up there that God has you in and he has you called to do certain things. And some of us may be far away from the chapters that we're supposed to be in that book, but some of us may be very close. You go, how do you know? Well, you'll know when you abide in Christ and he'll begin to change that as you abide in his spirit, as you abide in rest, as you abide in all those things that we've been teaching you, as you accept who he is as a vine dresser, as you accept who you are as the vine. And the next thing is that God will guide me, uh, will be my guide through life. So see, that answers that question that you have. How do I know? Look, Because the scripture tells us, and I always go back to this, it's a year of the word. Look what the scripture says about how God will abide in us or how, how God will teach us. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So you wanna know how he's gonna guide you? He's gonna guide you through this. He's gonna guide you through your church. He's gonna guide you through times like this where you're listening to scripture. Look, remember it says Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. There will be things that he calls you to do that you're not going to understand, but you need to do this. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your what? Your path straight. So you want to know if you're closer to what God has for you? Then abide in his word, live his word, and he'll straighten out your path no matter what. Um, And I love what it says in Matthew 7 where Jesus was teaching and I started with this verse uh, uh, because it's just real interesting. It says this, it says, don't waste what is holy. This is our New Living Translation. Don't waste what is holy, that's you, on people who are unholy. Some of you waste your holiness, your, uh, what Christ is in you on other people. You actually uh, fall for their lies. You feel like you need to please them. And it says this, Jesus says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs don't throw what, how you're supposed to live your life to pigs for people just like to pigs who who really don't know anything about god be very careful that you don't do that It says they will trample uh, trample the pearls then turn and attack you you ever had that happen that's why i tell people when you listen to people and you want to know Uh, what to do with your life. You look for godly people. Now, there are those who are surface godly people and then there are those who are truly godly people. They're searching after the Lord. Some of us, really, we put on a show for people and we don't pursue God underneath all that. Look what he says. He said, you just keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. You keep on seeking and you will find. You keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, receives finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open to them. Look. So you parents, if your children this is Jesus saying this, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not says this. So if your sin if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. So remember, he just wants you to ask him and he'll eventually show you, all right? Psalm, uh, uh, all right, I like that, all right? Uh, Psalm 32, eight says this, I will instruct you and teach you. One of my favorite verses I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And I, I've, I've taught this before that that word I is not two eyes, it, it's a singular. And it says, it's almost as, as, as I told somebody this week, remember that as you take care of these things that you have to take care of in your family, and you feel so alone that God's eye is upon you. He's looking down on you. He's He's just really keying in on you with that one eye to say, I'm with you and I'll instruct you. And the next thing is God will care for me and he's going to protect me. Look at Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Some of you are brokenhearted about something. Well, he's near to you and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You ever been crushed in spirit? I have. I've been crushed in spirit by more believers in Christ than I've ever been crushed in spirit by a non-believer and it's hard and so have you and some of you've been crushed in spirit by people you know that love the Lord and some of you've been crushed in in spirit by even your parents or your grandparents or a cousin or somebody in your family that knows the Lord and it's just you don't know what to do well, I want you to know, abide in the fact that God's going to be near to you. He's going to take care of you. This says in First Peter 5, 6 and 7, Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, uh, the hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Watch this, casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Well, because he cares for you. Sometimes you forget that God cares for you. Uh, it says this in Second uh, Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Man, some of you are still fearful of things you don't need to be fearful of. What are those things that you don't trust God and abide in his protection? And then Psalm 32, 7 says, for you are my hiding place and you protect me from trouble. You surround me with these songs of victory. See that protection there? And then the last thing is this, God will never leave me. Some of us, uh, every time there is a, uh, every time there's an invitation at a church or at a conference or somewhere, you will ask God to come into your heart over and over and over again. You have to understand if you've truly confessed Christ, if you've asked him to save you, he has saved you and he's not gonna leave you. Look at what it says in Romans eight thirty eight: For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing, watch, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Look at this, Psalm 94, 14. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon. I, I love, uh, uh, which is gonna make Jesse happy. I love this uh, Uh, the way it says it here, he will not abandon his heritage. His heritage, that's us. Look, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, look, I'll never leave you uh, nor forsake you. So we can uh, confidently say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. What can man do to me? nothing so church those of you who are out there learning about Christ as we close this thing on abiding you have to remember to abide in Christ you have to remember to abide in who he is so remember these things very simply ready this is I just had the the dream of all these came in order and I just took the scripture and poured it right into it and said listen so ready God created everything, ought to bring you hope. God created me, that means I know this, that if he created me, God knows my heart. And if he knows my heart, I know this. If he cares that much and he keeps an eye on my heart, I do know this. Nobody would pay attention to my heart if they didn't love me and God loves me. And listen, since God loves me, I will abide in the fact that if he's loved me and he made me and he, he knows my heart and he created me, then he has a plan for me. And if I wonder what that plan is and he has a plan for me, he will, uh, he will guide me through this life. But you gotta abide in that simple rule. Since he loved me, he's gonna guide me through his life. He has a plan for me. And through the process, as tough as it is, no, rather, no matter what comes my way, God will care for me during the process and he'll protect me. And even when I feel alone and even though, when those around me have left me, you need to understand this, God will never leave me. God will never leave me. He'll never leave us. So as we close this understanding abide, you have to abide in Christ. You have to be attached and let the vine dresser take care of you because he has something great for you. He has something great for me. And so I wanna encourage you this week Remember those simple things. I don't know why I dreamed them. I really don't. And some of you are sitting there going, well, I know why. It was the Lord that fed me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just believe I was supposed to preach about him, teach about him, so that would encourage you. Not only must you abide in Christ, that we've been teaching you, abide in rest, abide in faith, abide in the Holy Spirit, but abide in these things that he's called us to abide in all the things that I've listed. Well, thank you for being with us today. And I'm gonna pray for you in just a few moments. But one of the things, I I need to do two things uh, before I go. Number one is, uh, we are going to start a study next week. We're going to start working through. We always take a book in, in the Bible, and uh, we did Genesis last year, uh, last summer. And this summer, starting next week, we are going to work through Exodus. I uh, love uh, this book of Exodus. What a beautiful story! A lot of great things that God did, a lot of great stories, a lot of narratives that we're going to have fun with and learn from. And so, what I'd encourage you to do is, is maybe read the last part of Genesis to remember how it closed up, and then we're going. Going to set the pace for us to walk into Exodus and then start working through the through uh, the book of Exodus as we get started remember it 's the year of the word and we have to open it we have to search it we have to trust it and we have to apply it and God God has some great things uh, in uh, Exodus to help us learn and so uh, I want to encourage you uh, to uh, take faith in that, that this year is the year of the Bible. The next thing I, I, I owe you an apology as a church. I am so sorry about Jesse's bad jokes. I am, I was embarrassed as the pastor and I thought, Oh no, uh, th- this was awful. And I, I will be, we will be having a meeting with the elders to try to maybe have an exorcism to get these dad jokes out of them. Ashley. I'm, I'm sorry. You, uh, you have to live with those, but no, really, those were fun. I really enjoyed them, <laughs> but they were good. But, uh, Um, Hey, uh, we're going to let you know, uh, we as elders, we met a couple of weeks ago and said we would wait till the announcement, uh, which will be tomorrow uh, from our governor. And I want to tell people, uh, a lot of people saying, well, we can meet if we want to. Our our government is is not telling us not to meet. Our government, they are not putting anything on us. They're trying to protect us. And that's why we're falling under that. But we can meet as much as we want but we wanna be careful that we don't meet too soon. You'll notice that some churches are starting to meet because they have larger facilities and can, can uh, go out more, We uh, sp- uh, spread out more, we don't. And also we have to deal with this whole thing of preschoolers and children. And I know that many of your younger parents don't want, you know, you are ready to come to church, but it may be that one Sunday the dad comes and mom watches and then uh, vice versa. But I know many of you are going, man, I can't, I wouldn't know what to do with a toddler in here. So. We're trying to be mindful of that, but we are going to hear the announcement tomorrow and then I know that I'll be contacting the elders. We'll meet and we're figuring out a plan. But I do want you to know your worship team uh, has started to meet on Wednesday nights now. They had the first meeting Wednesday and uh, Uh, With some of the tweaks that we've had, the the worship team will actually be uh, leading for the first time worship next week. You'll see them uh, here next week through video uh, that they've worked on. So I'm excited about that. So we're gonna slowly get ready for all, uh, for coming back together. But just be patient with us. We wanna make the right choices for you. Uh, and uh, we want to be want you to be safe as much as we want to be safe. So we are on top of this. I get calls and texts. When are we going back? When are we going back? Understand that we should let you know something next week if we make a major change, but uh, we're just waiting for that announcement. So anyway, I hope you guys have a great day and uh, let me pray over you. And I really wish you'd pray there with me, okay? I know it's a busy day for you. Father, thank you so much for today. And I pray for all the people that are listening and that are watching, that they would know all these things about you and they would, ap- they would apply and abide in the fact of all the things that we've talked about, that you love us, that you created us, that you made us, that you have a plan for us, that you're going to watch over us, you're going to protect us, you're going to guide us. And Father, you'll never leave us. Help us know that truth and help us to get in your word to learn more about you. Father, as we we work through uh, Exodus, may it speak to our hearts and remind us of your great love for us. Even from the very beginning, we pray this, In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Have a great week.